Thank you for bringing us into your presence. Thank you for calling us your own. Be thou exalted, O God. Be thou magnified, O God. We worship you, O Lord. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your mighty presence here with us. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. In the name of Jesus Christ. We ask, O oh Lord, that you speak to us expressly. We ask, O oh Lord, that you teach us in a language that we would understand. We ask, O oh Lord, that everyone here present will live with a new dimension of glory. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Let your name be glorified after this service. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. I'd like you to celebrate Jesus in the house. You can do it better and bigger. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want to appreciate Jesus for the privilege of standing before us this morning and to bring God's word to us. It's one I don't take for granted. I want to bless God for Chapel of Praise at Kwaibum State University. How that God has been pioneering and advancing his church from one level of glory to the other. I want to especially appreciate him on behalf of our mother, the chaplain in the house. Please, can you celebrate, Mama? Thank you very much, Ma. And all executive here present. I also want to acknowledge my friend and brother, Pastor Covenant. Can you please celebrate him? Thank you very much, sir. Hallelujah. Praise God. There are two things that the word of God can do. The word of God can come to you as light. And then the word of God can come to you as instructions. Let me put it this way. The word of God is both enlightening and empowering. There are many things that enlightens people. There are a lot of materials you could read and then you acquire knowledge to a level. But the limitation of such kind of knowledge is that the requisite power for you to prosecute the knowledge which you have acquired is missing. Are you following me? But every time we come and access the word of God, it is both light and it is power. Are you following me? So I'd like you to lift up your voice and pray in just one minute. Holy Spirit, as I receive your word, let the light and the power that is in your word find expression in me. In the name of Jesus. Find expression in me. Find expression in me. Find expression in me. The light and the power is what I came for. I don't just want knowledge. I need knowledge with power. I wouldn't want power alone. I want power that is Directed and controlled in a dimension and in a direction. Thank you, Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. You may be seated. God bless you. Can you turn to your neighbors to your left and to your right? And tell them, welcome to church. God bless you. Hallelujah. All right. Okay, before I go into the teaching, I would like to apologize up front because I might likely make reference to scriptures that I wouldn't um, tell you articulately. This is where it is found. Are you following me? So the, the labor is on you to take note of them and then search them out after now. All right? Hallelujah. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. James chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. If you are there, shout hallelujah. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes, which are scattered abroad greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, 
that the tryings of your faith work at patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally and obradeth not, and it shall be given him. Hallelujah. I'll be speaking to us on the perfect man. The perfect man. It's a teaching session, so follow, follow me carefully, all right? The perfect man. Now, the writer and the author of this book, James, is believed to be the half-brother of Jesus the Christ. Are you following me? Yes. So, there were many James that were referenced in the New Testament. There was James, the son of Zebedee. There was James, um, the son of Alphaeus. And there's another James who is believed to be the brother of Jesus. The brother to Joseph and his sister, Salome, and all of those. They were supposed, or they were believed to be children of Mary. Hallelujah. Alright, this James is the same person who wrote the epistle we just read. And his epistle is not written to a particular set of people as it was with those of Paul and Peter. He was writing to the 12 tribes. He was writing to the complete church. Are you following me? He was not writing to the church at this. He was writing to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. And this was believed to be after the church was dispersed. And in those periods, they were suffering kind of temptations and trials that was challenging their faith, that was challenging their convictions. Praise God. James is also believed to be one of the chiefest of the apostles. His voice was not often heard as that of Peter, as that of Paul, but he was the chiefest. Believe me, he was the chiefest amongst many. In Acts chapter 15 verse 13, when there was a conflict as to the gospel of God going on to the Gentiles, after everybody had spoken, James was the last person that gave um, a resolution that was adopted by the church on the behalf of the Gentiles. Are you following me? When Paul was converted to the faith, James, John, and Peter were the ones who gave him right hand of fellowship. Hold on now. Someone is thinking Peter, James, and John were the same that, you know, walked with Jesus. The James that was walking with Jesus was killed. Remember Herod killed somebody, right? Yes. So, at this point, the James in question is the half-brother of Jesus. And it appeared to me as though he was the direct mentor of the Apostle Paul. Because when you begin to look at Paul's writings, there's harmony in the way James speaks and the way Paul speaks. You'll see it as we proceed. So Paul said when Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to everybody and with particular emphasis to James, his brother. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 7. So how you know that everything written in the book of James is authoritative is that it is written by an apostle of Jesus. Many people have written many things, but this one is more like a false fruit, all right, who had sat under the teachings of the Christ. Are you following me? Praise God. By authority, I mean, if you want to vet, okay, let me show you. It's a teaching. If I say to this brother, we will be having a meeting very soon. And I ask him to tell this brother, what did I say? Chances are, what this brother will be reporting will be totally different. Or not necessarily to- totally different, but the idea that is conveyed will be watered down from what the first person received. Am I right? And if this brother should transfer the same message to this you know that it keeps going down. And by the time we ask that brother, you might like to see that it's different from what 
We told this man. So if you want to vet the authority and the authenticity of what I've spoken, the easiest person to reference is who? The first man. Are you following me? That's what I mean when I said that the book of James is an authoritative book because it proceeded from the first, more like a first fruit of the apostles of Christ. If you are with me, shout hallelujah. James was a man of so much wisdom. And many believe that he was the Solomon of the New Testament. Yes, because he was quiet, yet his impact, his influence was felt across the body of Christ in the then dispensation. Now, James is now bringing forth an admonition to the 12 tribes. These were specifically the Jews. Praise God. And he was telling them, my brethren, James chapter 1 verse 2, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation. The first thing you pick from that statement is that temptation is not conditional. It will come. It did not say if you fall into temptation. Do you see that? He did not say peradventure you fall into temptation, but he says when, when, when you fall into temptations. Whether it comes within you as a person or it comes outside you as trials, James is telling you, count it all joy. When, 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 you fall into diverse temptation. To further prove this, in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 43, Isaiah chapter 43 verse 2. This is Isaiah speaking by the Spirit of God. Verse 2. He says, when thou passest through the waters, do you see it? It's not if. Are you following? If you are with me, shout hallelujah. It says, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through fire, Thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. It is not if, it is when. So you see here that temptation for the believer will come. It's not conditional. It will come. But from the book of Isaiah, you also take note of something. That whenever a believer passes a condition, there is an eye that will be with you. You are not following me. Are you following me? There is an I that will be with you. James said, count it all joy when you go through diverse temptation. As I tell you that when you now go through those temptations, there is an I that will be with you. And I want to say here that I that will be with you or God that will be with you when you pass through temptation is not necessarily coming to take you out in most cases. He's coming to supervise. Are you following me? He's coming to as the chief supervisor. No. As an external invigilator. <laughs> because he can use Satan to pass you through that temptation. He can use Pharaoh to pass you through that temptation. He can use your brethren, Joseph, to pass you through that temptation. But irrespective of who he is using, be rest assured that the chief supervisor is there. And hear me, friends, many times when he is done and he has ascertained the process of your temptation, he will deal with your supervisors. <laughs> Hallelujah. So James is saying, when you pass through temptation, the first thing you should do is to do what? Count it all 
joy. Why would I count it as a thing of joy that I'm going through temptation? It is because every temptation, follow me, every trial is on an assignment to try you, to prove you, to satisfy you, and to confirm your conviction as a believer. And when all is said and done, you will be graduated into a perfect man. Hallelujah. Every temptation, every persecution, every, you see, these things are realities of life. I know you are used to, you will be secured. Go, go. See, these things I'm telling you are real. There is a when you pass through temptation. There is a when you pass through trials. But count it joy. Because anytime you see challenge coming, it's because something greater is about to break forth. Are you following me? Something greater is about to break forth. So the ultimate goal of persecution, the ultimate goal of trials, temptation, whatever you call it, is to make us perfect. James chapter 1 verse 4. Is to make us perfect. Is to make us entire. And that we want nothing. Is it not on the screen? Is to make us what? Perfect. Is to make us what? Entire. And that we want nothing. 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 The word perfect used here in the original context means maturity. Is to make you mature. <laughs> mature. There are many babies in faith who go about making a lot of noise. Just watch them. When they pass through, <laughs> then you will know who is a perfect man. Are you following me? The word perfect means mature, fully developed, all faculties intact. Praise God. Have you seen a child that is born before the due date? What do they call them? Premature. Have you seen a premature child? Praise God. Okay. Or oh, have you heard of premature children? Yeah, children that are born, some are born in six months. Some in seven or before the nine months, before the expected date. Of that conception, praise God, of, the, of, of that delivery, they are born premature, premature. The implication is there are certain things in them that have not yet been formed. There are certain systems or certain organs in their body that has not yet been formed. And so what the medical practitioner will do is that he will take such a child and make sure he completes the process. He will put you in an incubator. You are yet immature. If we release you like this, you will die. So we will put you in the incubator so that when the expected date has arrived, every other thing that was not formed before you were delivered will be formed. So that child is not yet perfect. If he or she came out before the expected date. That child is not yet mature. If he or she came out before the expected. Let me say this. God doesn't give things to immature people. God doesn't give graces. He doesn't give giftings to imperfect people. The same way a father will not commit something precious to a toddler. Are you following me? Many years ago, a few years ago, 
when my nephew was born, I was privileged to receive him from the labor room. Praise God. And I was just, oh, look at what God has done. And the child was so feeble and dependent on every other thing that would give him in himself. He couldn't do nothing. Because at that level of his birth, though he was, he was fully developed, but with matters of age and strength, he is immature. Right? Few months ago, I saw the same child. He is now carrying his chair on his head and running upside down, uh, uh, to and fro. The energy is, is, is dissipating. You wonder, was this not the child I received from the labor room? <laughs> he has acquired a level of maturity that he can handle certain things. Are you following me now? So what James is telling us is that, friends, there are temptations and trials that you must go through to become perfect. To become mature. To become the full man that God has ordained and designed you to be. And just like the doctor who place a child in an incubator, God's system of building you is those trials. And there's something Isaiah called it. In Isaiah chapter 48 verse 10, he calls it the furnace of affliction. Are you following me? The furnace of affliction. Isaiah chapter 48 verse 10. So that is your incubator. That is where you are kept until everything in and within you is fully developed. And what happens in that place is what we saw in James chapter 1 verse 3. The trying of your faith. The trying of your faith. Everything you call the conviction. Everything you said you believed on and in will be tested. Is somebody here with me? Hallelujah. If you are in church, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Praise God. Everything you believe in will be tested. I can never be sick. Meanwhile, this thing you just said, you saw it from the word of God. <laughs> and you have declared it. Good and fine. Oh, I had stayed for so long, Mama, for almost eight or ten years without taking drugs. But last year, something happened. Oh. <laughs> December last year, it was as if my brain wants to go out when I do like this. I, I saw, since I did not die that day, it dawned on me that I cannot die again. Do you follow what I'm saying? My health was so challenged. Something was with me that when you put cold towel and lift it up, it is dried. I told them, get me fruit. They bought all the fruits that they could lay hands on. I ate everything. Eh? And the smoothie was formed in my stomach. And in less than five minutes, I threw up everything. I saw hell in my health. But... <laughs> I cannot be sick. When it was here, I said, Samson, please, I beg. Go and find me drugs. Jesus, you know, at least I I have tested this. And for 10 years, I have proven it to be so. So, thank you very much. Let me... (laughs) It will test it. It will be tested. Are you following me? It will be tested. That is a furnace. God is telling you, if you can stay in that furnace, when your faith is tried, something else will develop. And in verse 3, he calls it patience. The trying of your faith 
will now work in you patience. Patience. <laughs> this same thing I'm saying happened to um, Sir Vincent. Two weeks ago or so, when he left, when he left, he now come, he said, David, <laughs> I beg, pray for me. Pray. I said, man of God, what's the problem? He said, my health. He was down for so long. That, on a particular day, he said, my, my the, um, the host around me is worried for my life. Eh? And then he's using technicality to ask me, how far? Have you taken drugs? Have you taken drugs? And this man of God on this end was so, you know, he was so bent on not taking drugs. Hold on. And when <laughs> he couldn't bear it again, he told the guy, just get me drugs, let me see. And the next day he called me. This same thing I said. He said, David, since I did not die yesterday, I will not die. Meanwhile, this man also is one who has proven divine health. Now, I'm not saying taking the drugs has negated the experience of divine health. Are you following me? I'm only telling you that there is a process that you will go through. And if you are careful to go through that process, it will work in you patience, endurance, stability. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Verse 3. And four. Remember I told you there's harmony in the presentation of Paul and James, right? Okay, let us look at Romans chapter 5, verse 3 and 4. He said, and not only so, but we glory, we rejoice in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation does what? Worketh patience. And patience worketh what? Stop there. Experience. Experience. Anyone who has ever told you that experience does not matter, run from that person. Because you will experience that experience matters. Are you following me? I would love you to give us this in amplified version if you have it. Okay? And if you have an amplified version in your device, you could look into it now. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 to 4. Do you have it? Okay. It says, moreover, let us also be full of joy now. Let us exalt and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship produces patience and unswavering endurance. Stability, unswavering endurance, and endurance that's fortitude develops maturity of character. Oh, okay, produces proving character, and proving character produces. Hope. So look at the progression. We rejoice in affliction because that affliction, that furnace, will produce endurance. And that endurance will produce a proven character. It is that character that defines your perfection or your maturity as a believer. How you react and how you act when others will come. Because by this time, you have had experience. A character has... See, when... <laughs> So, when someone meets me and say, for instance, Sir, I am sicko. See how the conditions are. By experience, I know what to tell you. Are you following me? When a student approaches me and says, Sir, this is how my academic looks like. By experience, I know what to say to you. Because the affliction we went through as students... <laughs> It gave, you can't, in fact, you can't go outside the process. You must, five years is five, except you are one of those patriarchs that want to endure for so long in this vicinity. But that period, you will stay. Are you following me? And somehow, endurance will be inoculated into your being. 
By the time you are standing at the other side, five years later, <laughs> you will look at a young one student. And from the beginning, you can tell how he will end because you have experience. A character has been formed in you. Believers are not supposed to shy away from these things because it is God's system, let me see, to bring you higher, to make you perfect. So, for instance, there could be somebody here under the sound of my voice. You've heard that portal is closing on Friday. And as I'm speaking to you now, sincerely, between God and man, you don't know where that school fees will come from. Are you following me? You don't, you don't have anybody to call. You know those periods where you carry your phone and you scroll through your contacts? You only see numbers. There's really no contact. You are in that kind of position. <laughs> and then somehow Satan is trying to guy come out of this thing There's a, do this do this please follow me these things I'm saying are reality meanwhile if you are under that kind of condition under the sound of my voice before that portal closes you will pay your school fees in the mighty name of Jesus Friday, and you don't know what to do. There's what God is teaching you. If you can endure and stand irrespective of the conditions, there is something endurance will do. It will make you perfect. And when you have arrived at the point of perfection, you will discover that there was nothing lacking. I didn't, I didn't, I'm entire, I'm complete. Concerning health, I've passed through that class. Concerning finance, I've passed through that class. Concerning family confrontations, I've passed through that class. Concerning academic challenges, I've passed through, are you following what, you'll be entire. You'll be wanting nothing. You, life will not take you by surprise. You didn't rush out, you are mature. Are you following me? You didn't rush out. You are mature. Look at what happened to Moses. In Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 24 to 26. The Bible said, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, when he was a matured man, he refused to be called the son. Can you merge everything together? He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction. He chose it. Because from the one they gave birth to him. Till this particular age where he was, he didn't go through the process. So now that he wants to see, I have missed setting class. So by my will, I choose to go through. Are you following me? I have missed certain seasons. By my will, by his volition, he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures. This man was supposed to be the next Pharaoh. Rather than suffering the pleasures of sin for a season. Why? Esteeming the reproach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect of a recompense of reward. Why will you choose suffering? In this campus, they mocked us. You that you are always going to church. And it looks as if we are object of ridicule. Because here and there we are identified with Christ. But we chose rather to suffer affliction than to enjoy whatever accolade that came temporarily for a season. Are you following me? When you look up and down and there is nowhere help can come. Are you? And then you, you, you say, if you kill me, kill me, oh. But let it be known to you, O God, that my position, my conviction cannot shift. Choosing rather to suffer. Because we had 
a respect unto a recompense that has great reward. You are under the sound of my voice. What you don't know is that what God is furnishing through your affliction is what every man who knew you before, when they see you, they will stand up and say, yes, we can attest that this one is proven. Are you following me? Yes, we can attest that this brother is certified to speak on the behalf of Christ. Concerning academics, we can attest that this brother is an authority in that field because he has gone through. If you are with me, shout hallelujah. Respect for a recompense of reward. He denied the temporal satisfaction. Many of you, there are many temporal satisfactions that now appeals your flesh. And with all your strength, you are running after them. I want to make money now. With all your strength, you are pursuing after wealth. I'll be money. I want to be sure. Oh, I want I want to be sure that I'm a first class guard. And with all your see, please let me speak up front. If you are in this service, wait for the second service. Eh? So you get the balance. So with all your strength, you are pursuing it. Not because you saw a great recompense, but because there's a temporal satisfaction for a season. You will fall. Meanwhile, the flip side is there are people who go through such temptations. And then, because you have heard what I just said now, <laughs> you will be suffering and you will be afflicted. And you say, Pastor told us that it is God's system. Don't mistake patience for passion. Follow what I'm saying. There are people that are passionately suffering, oh, I can tell you. <laughs> passionately if you see them you know them many of them carry bible too don't mistake patience for passion job mistook patience for passion and he did all he could within his capacity as a man to make sure, hallelujah, all he could within his capacity as a man to make sure that he enjoyed the affliction. Follow me. Don't be mistaken. Job. He pursued, his, he was so relaxed and comfortable in it that Satan took advantage, please don't be distracted, of his passion. Patience. Please, can we rise as we respectfully receive our vice chancellor? Celebrate Jesus, please. You're welcome, sir. You may have your seat. Satan took advantage of Job's passion and extended his suffering. Meanwhile, what this trial was supposed to do was to give you patience, endurance. Because in endurance, something is being furnished. But when you pursue whatever it is with just passion, chances are Satan will take advantage. Now, I had made reference to Job. Remember Joseph. Joseph had so much passion for every dream and every revelation he had that here and there he broadcast. Passion. He speaks. Everywhere he went to, he spoke out. This and that and all of that. And that passion almost took away his destiny. Meanwhile, God being merciful orchestrated him for something else. And at the latter end, Joseph learned that it is patience that is required, not just passion. Is somebody following me? So when he arrived in Egypt, he learned to keep quiet. He wasn't shouting again. He was now enduring. So when Potiphar's wife dealt with him, 
He still did not talk. He was enduring. He was transferred to the prison house of the king's servant. He still did not talk. Meanwhile, as a result of his endurance, you know, during the process, something else was added. He was becoming mature. He had left the level of just seeing dreams, but to becoming a revealer himself. He still did not talk. When he was presented before the king, it was now obvious that a perfect man has arrived. So this is what James said. How you will know that a perfect man has come is that there is a dimension of wisdom that he issues. And peradventure, you have arrived at that point and your life still doesn't bring forth that wisdom. He says, ask. Is there any man that lack it? Okay. James chapter 1. Is there any man that lack wisdom? Having gone through everything, ask. Because how we prove that you are mature is that there is a wisdom that issues out from you. And this wisdom is not just revelational because you study the material, but it is also experiential. Are you following me? Hmm. Wisdom. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Verse 6 to 8. See what Paul said. Remember Paul, remember James. 2 verse 6 to 8. It says, now, how be it? We now speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Not the wisdom of this world, not the princes of this world that cometh to naught. Verse 7. But we speak wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. So it was hidden in our process. Now we now speak it as perfect men. Do you follow? Are you following me? Not only will God's wisdom find expression, your life will be an effulgence of wisdom. Everything around you will show forth these wisdom then and only then will you be termed a perfect man Daniel also went through the process and at a point in Daniel 2 verse 9 God began revealing secrets to Daniel Daniel 5 verse 11 they now bore testimony of Daniel that the spirit of the holy gods rest upon him in the days of your father light and wisdom was sought from him. Because this man had gone through, he denied himself, including food, sweet food. They were threatened to be killed among all the astrologers of Babylon. Such afflictions. Yet, Daniel endured. And when we saw Daniel at the end, we saw wisdom. So hear me, friends. In the making of the perfect man, what you would see and know that a man is perfect, that a man is thorough, that a man has been mature, is that when he opens out his mouth, wisdom will flow. And when people look at you, they will see wisdom hidden in all the processes you went through. Are you following me? So peradventure, like Job, you had gone through the process and you couldn't see what God was playing out. One time when God came to Job, he said, who is this that darkened counsel by words without knowledge? So all through the, all the things I've been doing, you, it has not done on you that there is something I want to bring out from you. He said, who is this? Peradventure, you're in that kind of category. God is saying this morning, there is a wisdom I will give you now that in the midst of that situation, in the midst of that trial, in the midst of that circumstance, you will come out eh? and the smell of the fume of the flame will not be on you. You will come out and the troubled water and the flood hasn't overshadowed you. You will come out and your life will be a testament that God is omniscient. Can you rise to your feet?
Just one prayer. The wisdom that sustains and that is revealed through and beyond seasons of trial, let it find expression in my life now. Paratakatilas. Pray, pray, pray. Wisdom. When Joseph came out, the Bible said he taught senators wisdom. He taught them. Everyone was at the beck and call of Daniel, including the king. Wisdom. You can get yours by asking. There is a wisdom that will make you entire, wanting nothing. A wisdom that will make you perfect in academics. Perfect in your work with God. Perfect in your pursuit of destiny. Perfect in your finance. Perfect in your health. Wanting nothing, receive it now. Bratakana sesabalagadi shatapai. Bonkoporotakina sasa prakatatilas. Vehitos comante caparis. Branda bapakiolo fanatasina mankapai. The wisdom, the wisdom that is revealed in and through situations. When my faith is tried through the furnace of affliction, that is the wisdom I'm demanding. The wisdom that can bring me out of a situation unscratched and unhot. Mandele kose pranita jabagatatalikatatas. Kambada dilata pranda sekotakilas. I hope you're praying. Oh God, I receive that wisdom. I receive that wisdom. I receive that wisdom. If the princes of this world knew what God was doing through you, they would, they would accept the invitation to be a sub-supervisor in your challenge. If only they knew, receive that wisdom. Kamanta sila kaparatas. I have put my trust in you. I have put my faith in your word. No matter what comes my way, I shall never be. And there is nothing in this world that can take in my life. And when you are true with me, all the praise belongs to you. One more time. I have put my trust in you. I have put my faith in your word. No matter what comes my way, I shall never be. There is nothing that can take in my life and when you are true with me all the praise you are always there I will be with you I will be with you I will be with you you are always even when even when I still have faith. You are always there. You are always there to help. You are always there to help. 
I just want to pray for just a set of people. You are here under the sound of my voice. During your processes of trials, you compromised. It's you I want to pray for. See, let me tell you something. There is nothing that can flaw the wisdom of God. Nothing. A, a naturalist, so to say, in an attempt to bring the person to Christ, he said he does not believe in the Bible. Praise God. He only believes in nature and everything around. So, I said, okay. Do you like the seas? You like what you say? He said, yes. And I said, do you believe or do you agree that beneath the earth is water? He said, yes. When you dig down, you get water from the earth. I said, beautiful. Because from my own perspective, the Bible says the earth is the Lord. The fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell in it. For he has founded it upon the sea. So you see, I knew where to get him. This is why I'm standing. That he has founded it upon the sea. So I told him, no problem. How do you think the world will be placed on water? It is a major architectural flaw. Those of you in civil land, do you build on water? Except in advanced sciences. But naturally, you don't lay a foundation on water. Do you understand what I'm saying? He said, have you considered it? That this whole world is upon water. It is a challenge. He said, you see this is what I'm telling you. When you are saying, God, God, how can someone build house on water? I said, beautiful. It is because it is a temporal arrangement. When he did that, he had the mind that he would destroy it. So don't be here when it will be destroyed. <laughs> Because the water he placed it is to destroy it. Don't be here when it will be destroyed. And that guy found Christ. There is nothing that will flood the wisdom in you. So you are in that category I mentioned earlier. You compromised in those seasons. Just lift your hands where you are. All eyes closed. I'll pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray for your sons and your daughters. Who in seasons of trials, in seasons of temptations and persecutions, showed in the towel. I pray by your mercy that you bring them back. In the mighty name of Jesus. I ask that by your mercy you pull them back to you. In the mighty name of Jesus. I ask that there shall be restoration. I ask that there shall be restoration. And wherever they had fallen... I pray, O oh God, you will give them wisdom to sail through in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If you are blessed, can you celebrate Jesus?